Progressive Rugby League. G'day, John Duncan back for another instalment of the Progressive Rugby League Book Club. You know, we started doing this book club thing properly in the 2018-19 off-season, and it crystallised a couple of things for me. One, that there are so many more fascinating books on rugby league than I'd previously realised, and two, that I'm a much slower reader than I thought I was. Back in that off-season, we set ourselves the goal of four book club episodes in four months, straightforward on paper, but little did we realise how much our brains have been pulverised over the preceding 15 years by the all-encompassing, always-on nature of modern technology. My attention span had become soul-crushingly brief. There were times when I told myself, okay, for the next 30 minutes, I'm reading this book, I'm going to smash it out. Literally 30 seconds later, literally, and without even realising, I'd be on my phone checking my Twitter feed. And before I knew it, the 30 minutes was up, and I'd read a grand total of three pages, including pictures. So it was all a bit chaotic behind the scenes, but we got there in the end with those book clubs. And soon I found, the more I read books, the better my attention span became, and the more I read books, the more I remembered how much I loved them. Books, be they on the great game of rugby league or otherwise, are the warm blanket on a cold winter's night, the wormhole into other dimensions. They spark the imagination and help us understand what it's like to walk in someone else's shoes. Is there a more valuable life skill? But what about kids who have grown up in the always-on era of modern technology? Getting kids to read books has always been tough, but it's got to be harder now, right? Then there are the kids without strong literacy backgrounds. It's a double whammy for them. How do you reach them in the modern age and give them the skills we lucky ones take for granted? What do you do? Well, our guest today seems to be well and truly onto something. David Riley is the reading warrior. A teacher in South Auckland, David is perfectly placed to understand the challenges facing modern-day kids, and particularly kids of Pacifica heritage, which form a big proportion of South Auckland's population. And so, David writes books with the aim of making reading more attractive for these kids, and his latest book is sure to be a hit with the uncles too. Later this year, David and fellow teacher Alisi Tatofu will release The Rise of the To'a, a book about the most successful Tongan sporting team in history, the National Rugby League team, Mate Ma'a Tonga. And as it says in the book's sweet intro, it's about how they beat New Zealand, Great Britain and Australia in a three-year period of awesomeness, how the players overcame personal challenges in their lives to achieve things others thought impossible, how they united the worldwide kingdom of Tonga and inspired people of all ages to dream big. Sounds pretty good to me, and sounds like the perfect addition to our book club canon. David Riley, a reading warrior, welcome to the Progressive Rugby League podcast. Thanks a lot, Johnny. It's awesome to be here with you. Before we get to the book, there's a bit of rugby league in your personal history. You grew up in Mangere and played some high school rugby league in South Auckland. Now, we know Mangere in South Auckland as an incredible rugby league breeding ground. Olsen Filipina, Jerry Siu, the Rapati brothers, Jason Taumalolo, the list goes on. What was playing schoolboy rugby league like for you in South Auckland, the hotbed of rugby league in New Zealand? Did you come across any big names on the paddock? Well, it was awesome. The club I played for was Monaco Magpies. Mm. And some of the guys that, that you mentioned there are from Otara, which is maybe 15 minutes away from where we are. Uh-huh. Also, Filipina was with uh, Mangere East Hawks. The most famous players from Monaco that I played were Dean Bell and Clayton Friend. Wow. And they were the guys that we looked up to when we were growing up. They were the stars of, of our club. And then later on, Owen Wright and Nicky Wright that came over from the Leopards. And they also played for the Kiwis as well. Yeah. And also Ian Bell was another Kiwi. 
at the time. So when I was playing um, schoolboy league in the 70s, that's the time when Auckland Rugby League was really big. Yeah. You know, it was thriving that time and it was really tribal. When you used to go to Carlo Park and yeah, it was awesome because the players were from your own area. Yeah. You know? And yeah, it was awesome. It was a great time. And I played up until high school and then I stopped playing because I went off the track a little bit as a teenager and then went back just to play under 21s. But the only guys that I played against who were really famous was a guy named Kelly Shelford. Later played for the Kiwis a couple of times. He was like the gun player of our, our grade. Yeah. And another guy, his name was Hurricane Yuasa, who's a huge Samoan guy. And man, we were terrified of him because <laughs> we were all quite small. And he was massive. You know, a lot of the Pacific guys grow fast when they're young. Yeah. And yeah, we were terrified. His name was Hurricane and that's how we saw him. Yeah. So those were the two guys that I remember. Yeah. Now, you retired from rugby league, obviously, and became a teacher specializing in English and drama. Was it obvious from your early teaching days that there was a large disconnect between the books you were teaching and the students who were meant to be benefiting from it? Yeah, definitely. You know, when it comes to reading, kids want to see themselves in the books. You know, they want to be able to identify and connect with mm. um, the stories and the characters. And, you know, a lot of times we had to use African-American stories because our kids would relate to the things they had gone through. Right. But if I took them to the library and asked them to go away and look for a book, 10 months later, they'll, you know, most of them will come back and say, we can't find anything in here that we like. Yeah. And that's what inspired me to think, okay, I'll write something that I I know that I want to read about. So I, I started off, first book I wrote was about Benji Marshall. Right. Yeah, because he, that was a time in 2008 when Kiwis won the World Cup mm-hmm. and he was, you know, at the top of his game. He just, he was only three years into his career, I think. And yeah, he was so popular. And so, you know, I knew if you put a book in front of them, it has Benji Marshall on it. Yeah. I'll just straight away pick it up and start reading and that's what happened. Yeah. Now, you've written dozens of books. I started to try and count them on your website, but there were so many I settled with dozens and there are a handful (laughs) on rugby league. What's the goal when you start putting a book together? Obviously, the basic goal is to get kids reading, but is there a broader message you're trying to communicate there? Yeah. I love the stories of people who overcome challenges Mm -hmm. and most of the stuff I write is biographies. So I've written the Benji one and one on Sonny Bill and Stephen Adams and other Kiwi sporting figures. Mm -hmm. But the story that I tell of them is what they were like when they were children and teenagers Mm -hmm. and the challenges they went through and how they overcame them because everyone pretty much knows the story of what they do now and, you know, their sporting life. But I like the overcoming stories. Yeah. And those are the things that kids... I want to show those kids that these guys, though they may be heroic figures, they're human beings like us, you know, and they they weren't just born famous, but they went through trials like we all do and they made mistakes like we all do and they overcame them and they needed help like we all do, Mm. you know, and so it's really good for them to know that these heroes they look up to are real people, flesh and blood, not superheroes. Mm. And you mentioned, you touched on it earlier, but you said you, you sort of had some tough times in your teenage years as well. Is that a similar story for you? Yeah, 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 definitely. So I like those kind of stories because I don't know if it's coming from the area we come from. It's a, it's a low economic area mm-hmm. and, you know, there's a lot of challenges in the area where I grew up. But it's a beautiful area and the stories that are told of it are not the stories that we relate to growing up here. But still, there's a lot of challenges and the people are humble. The people, they make do with not much, Mm -hmm. you know, and they make it go far. And yeah, it's an amazing place to grow up and teaches you a lot of resilience and a lot of independence Mm -hmm. and a lot of perseverance as well. Yeah, right. 
Now, as I mentioned, your upcoming book to be released in Tongan Language Week is all about the Tongan rugby league team, Mate Ma'a Tonga. I imagine the subjects of your books are based on basic market research. The kids have to be into it. How much of an impact has Mate Ma'a Tonga's success had on the Pacifica children you teach? Yeah, man, that's huge. Yeah. You know, this is a rugby country, right? Mm. The All Blacks are the number one heroes to most of the kids who love sports. Yeah. But MNT, the Tongan Rugby League team, those guys are now the heroes of a lot of the Tongan young people that I see now and that I work with. Those are the heroes now, not the All Blacks. They still love the All Blacks, yeah. but it's the MMT players who they really look up to, and that's because... They're truly representing their heritage mm-hmm. of those guys, like the, the Pacific kids who grew up in New Zealand. They're kind of like straddling two worlds. Mm-hmm. You know, they're straddling the world of the islands where their families are from and New Zealand as well. And so often the world of the islands is the one that has never been really acknowledged in the wider world. And now it is. And that's the thing that makes them so proud. Yeah, It's a huge impact. What a breakthrough. Now, can you give us a taste as to what the book is specifically about, this upcoming book? Yeah. So it's got two aspects to it. It tells the story of a young Tongan boy growing up in Tongan who's learning about his culture and learning about his culture. It gives him the strength to achieve the academic goals that he has for himself. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, we weave into that background stories of all the players, the 33 players who represented the team from 2017 until last year. Right. So those were the players who, who were involved in the victories over the Kiwis, Lions and Kangaroos. Yeah. So we've got background stories on all 33 of them and okay. also weaving in background kind of anecdotes about the team itself that kids may not know about. Like, for example, like the meanings and the designs of the jerseys. Okay. Just things like that. Fabulous. Now, what has been the impact more broadly on the Tongan and Pacifica community? Over the last few years, I've visited New Zealand quite a bit. My girlfriend is from Auckland, and I've noticed a great peppering of Tongan flags as we drive around the city. Have Tongan flags (laughs) always been waving, or is this a new phenomenon related to the rugby league team? Yeah, this is definitely related to MMT. It kind of started with the Rugby World Cup in 2011 Mm -hmm. when the Tongan team arrived. We got a little taste of what was to come with uh, the Tongan fans taking over the motorway to the airport. Yeah. And you can tell that they've been dying to have something to support, you know. And then when the Rugby League World Cup was staged here in 2017 and the fact that Jason Tomalolo and Andrew Fafita mm. both chose to play for Tonga, that just, just ignited it. Yeah. And from that moment, the flags, man. <laughs> They're everywhere. It's crazy. Yeah, it's everywhere. And it's hilarious. Like, you'll be driving along and there'll be a minivan in front of you with a makeshift rack on the roof with like 10 giant Tongan flags on it. (laughs) Just in case anyone was in any doubt. Yeah, in case anyone's in any doubt. And the people are just waiting, you know, they're just waiting for these games to come around so they can bring it out again. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's really inspiring. And they create an incredible atmosphere at the grounds. I've never been to one yet. But gee whiz, it looks like absolutely an amazing they, experience. Yeah. Are they the best fans in the world? Like, I believe they must be among the best fans in the world, eh? I know English fans are passionate, <laughs> but I don't see them with the flags like this. Yeah. Do you know that the Tongan fans sing the national anthem of both countries? Oh, right. Like Didn't when know the that. played here, they sang the, the Australian national anthem and their own anthem. Yeah. And, you know, they sing rap during the, mm. during the game. Some of the songs they sing are hymns. Yeah. Church hymns. Yeah. So, I mean... 
where else is that <laughs> in the world where the fans are singing church hymns? Yeah, you well, know? they're and beautiful singers too. So if, if I could uh, yeah. sing that well, I'd be singing church hymns all the way through the 80 minutes too, <laughs> yeah. I think. <laughs> now, David, another exciting part of the book is the brilliant illustrations that accompany the story. Tell us who the illustrator yeah. is for this book and how this all came about. Yeah. So the illustrator is Sikamanu, mm. and so Sikamanu is is a Kiwi Tongan who grew up in Wellington and then went to play for the Melbourne Storm, mm-hmm. and then he represented the Kiwis, and then he was one of the first high-profile players to choose to play for Tonga, mm. and that was in 2013 at the 2013 World Cup. It wasn't as much fanfare as when Jason Tomalola and Andrew Fipita did it, mm. but Sika did it at a time where it was still really unusual for uh, a player to choose Tonga over the Kiwis. Mm. Yeah, so he, he was one of the ones who laid the foundation for that. And then he captained the team in 2017. Mm-hmm. And then the other teacher that I wrote the book with, uh, Alisi Tatafu, that's her cousin. Sika is her cousin. Right. And so when we were talking about writing the book, she said to me, oh, and we can get Sika to illustrate. <laughs> and I said, what? what? You mean Sika is an illustrator? And yeah. she said, yeah. And so he sent a couple of his pictures over. And I thought, oh, wow, that's awesome because he adds more mana. You know the word mana, eh? Yeah, yeah, I know the word mana. Can you explain what it is to our listeners? Yeah, it's like... Um, uh, respect or... Respect, yeah, respect and authenticity. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I think respect is probably a really good way to put it. Yeah. Just the fact that his name, you know, is there just brings a lot more prestige. And they're um, brilliant pictures too. Yeah, in the, the sample that you sent me, David, the, the pictures are fantastic. Yeah, yeah, he's really good, eh? Yeah, it's worked out very well. Now, you're clearly a a great barometer for what is popular with the youth in New Zealand and particularly the Pacifica youth. To commit yourself to a book, a subject or a personality has to cut through with the kids. From your experience prior to the rise of Tonga, which rugby league players have cut through to kids during your career as a teacher and author? Obviously, you mentioned Benji Marshall previously. Anyone else who's cut through? Yeah, so Benji was definitely the first because of his flair. You yeah. know, and the uniqueness. And he, he was young and the fact that he was willing to be brave and try stuff. Yeah. You know, that was looked down on. You mm. know, traditionally in rugby league you're supposed to play safe. Yeah. And they don't like people who show a bit of flair and so that definitely appealed and then Sonny Bill yeah. was um the next one mm-hmm. just because of how dominant he was. You know, and being Samoan with his tattoo sleeve mm. that he got, with, you know, representing the Samoan culture. Anytime that somebody represents their culture is, is huge. And that's why when Jason and Andrew did that, Jason is the next one. When they make those kind of decisions, it makes those guys feel proud yeah. of who they are. And now the Samoans, <laughs> now the Samoans are, are waiting for Roger to, you know, to say, yeah, I'm going to play for Tua Samoa and yeah, Roger Tuovasashek, of course, yeah. Well, he'll get a book if he ever does that, I, I imagine. <laughs> yeah, but there's something that's unique about Tonga too. I think because they're a kingdom, they're united under their monarchy, they're kind of a little bit more a united group than a lot of the other Pacific cultures are. Like, I'm married to a Samoan, mm-hmm. and, you know, we laugh all the time there. It'd be hard to see Samoans doing this because Samoans are really proud of their own villages where they come from okay you know and their own areas and you know there's a lot of chiefs in, in Samoa whereas in Tonga everyone is under the king yeah it's hard to know whether this could be replicated with the other Pacific groups yeah that's really interesting now 
David, can I just go back to your high school days? You actually mentioned in your bio on your website that you played rugby league in high school, which I found interesting that you you wanted to relate that to your audience. So was rugby league a big part of the culture where you grew up in South Auckland? Yeah, definitely. So where I grew up, it's not a rugby area. You know, rugby is the number one sport in New Zealand, but in South Auckland, Rugby wasn't as popular as rugby league. I think a lot of times we saw rugby as the game of the kind of like single-sex, wealthy, private boys' schools. Right. And, you know, that's not our background. Mm-hmm. Our background was working class, and that's what league has always been. Eh? It's always been a working class game. And I believe it's quite similar in the UK and possibly Aussie as well, that often the rugby scene is a little bit more of the upper classes. Is it like that in Aussie? Yeah, yeah, that's accurate, yeah. I mean, in Australia, rugby league has become the mainstream sport. Uh, but yeah, it, rugby union is still seen as, I suppose, the upper-class sport. Now, yeah. David, let's turn to education and reading. What are some of the tangible differences an interest in reading makes to a school kid? Do you see transformations in kids when they get into reading? Yeah, because reading is a part of everything that they do in school. Even subjects like maths has a lot of reading in it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when a young person is struggling with reading, they're struggling in everything in school. You know, and the other thing is that a person who doesn't read much doesn't have a lot of vocabulary as well. Mm-hmm. And then when you don't have vocabulary, sometimes you don't have the words to say what you want to say or what you feel. Yeah. about. You know, you have feelings about stuff that you want to express, but you don't have the words to say it or mm. the knowledge of, of how. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing that reading gives you. And it also gives you understanding of yourself and of the world as well. Yeah. Because you come to see that you're not alone, that you know, other people go through the same things as you and this is how they cope then. Yeah. You know, so those are all the, the benefits of reading that somebody who, who doesn't read misses out on. Mm. Yeah, I often think about that, that one of the hardest things in the world to do is to actually communicate with any kind of clarity what's inside you. And yeah, reading, you know, makes the world a difference to give you a bit more of an arsenal to be able to actually communicate to, you know, your family, your friends, your schoolmates, your workmates about actually what is inside you and what you are trying to say. So, yeah, it's a huge thing. Yeah, that's right. Now, David, I imagine reciting to children the advantages of reading doesn't do the trick in getting them to actually read (laughs) if they're not into it. You obviously need to sprinkle a little sugar. But once you get them in through your books or otherwise, do they begin to see and feel the benefits themselves? Can they can they sense the improvement in themselves? Definitely. And just telling them to read is not yeah, that's not the way. I always share stories with them. Share stories with them of how reading has changed people's lives. Mm -hmm. And for example, you know, using Stephen Adams, the NBA basketball player, Mm -hmm. and he's Tongan European. So I wrote about him and researched his life and he struggled with reading, but he had to overcome that in order to get a scholarship to go to uni in the United States Mm -hmm. and then from there to go to the NBA. So without reading, he wouldn't have even been able to go to the NBA. Mm-hmm. And there's the kind of stories that I share with kids, you know, even those who want to be athletes and even showing them that even athletes have to read as part of their career. I got pictures sent to me from some of the super rugby clubs of the journal books that the players get given and the Warriors as well. Mm-hmm. One of shared his journal with me okay. that they get and they're expected to write in it. And they're expected to read things and summarize in their own words. Mm. You know, and they're expected to show their coaches and talk, you know, in meetings and ask questions. And these are all the things that 
we do in school. Mm. So there's a whole lot of literacy involved in the workplace, even if your workplace is a rugby league club. There's a, there's a whole lot of literacy involved. And once kids know that, that's a breakthrough for them. And then once they have found something that they read with enjoyment, that's the key to it. That's that's the mm. key. You know, like I said, if I put a book in front of a Tongan boy now, if I put that MMT book in front of him, he's going to pick it up. Yeah. Even though he may hate reading, he's going to pick it up. He's hooked. Mm-hmm. I hooked him because <laughs> he wants to read about something he loves. Yeah. And that's basically the key to it. And you've obviously written dozens of books. I imagine you found it's been quite successful around Auckland, around the country. Yep. So I often get invited to all over New Zealand and the Pacific as well to come and do writing and reading workshops with kids who are struggling with reading and writing. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes it's the the Pacific boys and Māori boys that the schools will get me to come and work with, not because they're the only ones that are struggling, but because they know that I work with Māori and Pacific boys a lot and they're who I think of when I write. Yeah. So, yeah, the books are definitely going around. And also the thing that I love is that I get like so many emails from, from mums who say to me that her husband is now reading wow. because the son brought home one of the books <laughs> and the dad took it off him and started reading it, you know, and it's the first time that she's seen her husband reading. Wow. And that's for me, that's strategic because the way I designed the books is on the inside, they're written in a language which a teenager will understand and, and it's quite simple. Mm. But if you look at the color and it doesn't look like a kid's book, mm-hmm. I want it to look like a book for older people or older teens yeah but the language inside is going to be easy to read and so that's really exciting for me to hear that dads are reading those books and taking them off their sons (laughs) yeah what a bonus (laughs) now david before we finish up what do you have in the pipeline for future books anything rugby league related we can keep in our radar i think you mentioned jason tamalolo maybe roger tuavasashek anything else that you've got on the horizon yeah, so I've, I've got a book coming soon called The Reading Tribe, mm-hmm. and that's a um, series of interviews with prominent Kiwis about the place of reading in their life. Cool. And like the journey with reading and books that have had an impact on them and helped them become who they are. And one of those people is Roger, mm. um, Tuivasa Sheik. So yeah, that's going to be real cool. And Jacinda Dern is in there as well, and oh, wow. some other prominent Kiwis. And do you remember a player, um, Suwea Matangi? Uh, yes, I remember the name. Warriors, yeah. the Eels. Yeah, so he's got an amazing story of how um, rugby league was as a redemption story cool. for him as a, a young guy who made a mistake when he was a teenager and ended in prison mm-hmm. and started playing rugby league in prison, came out, continued playing, and then was picked up by the Warriors and then moved over to Aussie and played for the Panthers and Parramatta and used to go into youth prison and talk to the the youth prisoners there Mm -hmm. and so me and him we used to talk a lot that it'd be pretty cool to write a children's story about his life as well and so that's that's one that's definitely still going to happen when the time is right and I love that story on your last podcast about the Papua New Guinea women's team oh yeah the orchids yeah, that is, that's an amazing story and I would love to be able to write about them yeah. in some way if I could, you know, to, to do something for, you know, female. Yeah. I did include stuff on that in a book I wrote called Rugby League World, mm-hmm. which is like a history of rugby league. And mm-hmm. that is, it's not just Kiwi and Aussie and England, but it's history of every, every country's league team in the Pacific. Okay. And also women's league as well. 
Cool. Well, yeah, I mean, it sounds like you've got a, a hell of a pipeline there. I was going to add some suggestions, but it looks like you've got a pipeline as, as long as my arms. So, well done. What are your suggestions? Jack? Oh, well, I had one. You know, I was going to suggest a book on Olsen Filipina. You know, the Olsen Filipina story. That's a, a book club we recently did. Just one. book already out now? I thought I saw it. I saw it advertised. Yeah, the big O, that's the one. So we did an episode on that a couple of weeks ago and that everyone really loved that and it's a fantastic book. And one for the girls, maybe the chip and chase genius of Shante Poco, who plays for the Warriors uh, women's team. So, you know, just a, a thought yeah. there for the girls. So What stands out about her to you? Oh, well, I don't know much about her except I love watching her play. She's a, a fantastic player to watch, has all the toughness. Yeah. It also has a, a great uh, sleight of hand and does a great chip and chase too, which we love here on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, just a few suggestions, which, which but it sounds like you're... Which, uh, which team do I support? I support the Parramatta Eels. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Yeah, that's my dad's team. Oh, there you go. Yeah, we're a rugby league family because my dad's actually Australian. He was okay. born in Western Australia and then as a kid he moved to Parramatta. Right. So, yeah, so we've been raised on Parramatta. Oh, beautiful. Okay, so you probably remember the 80s pretty well then. Yeah, yeah. definitely. <laughs> it was just before my time. I, I was born in 1983, and I yeah. do not remember Parramatta's premiership, obviously, in that year, and their last premiership was 1986, and I don't remember that year either, but uh, I'm hoping uh, you know I'll be able to see and remember a premiership sooner or later. Yeah, man, they came so close a couple of times, eh? But they just haven't had the, the legends yet. Because you need legends, eh? You do. You need legends to Yeah, win. it helps. And they, you know, and they just had so many during that, that era. That's right. Well, luckily yeah. for me, like one of our mottos on this podcast is winning is secondary. That's what I convinced myself. And, uh, you know, it's not all about winning, <laughs> as you show in your books. So, David, uh, whatever your next foray, please keep us posted Good on you for all the work you do in helping develop a passion for reading in Pacifica Youth. Before you go, can you Thank tell you. people how they can follow you or buy your books? Yeah, awesome. Thanks a lot, John. My website is readingwarrior.com. Mm-hmm. Readingwarrior.com. That's the, my website. And if you jump on there, then you'll see a tab with books on it. You can order online. I do ship to Aussie. Cool. And yeah, it's pretty straightforward. There's ebooks as well. If you want to order the ebooks, then you'll get them straight away. Yeah, it's got contact details. I'm on Facebook as well. Great. David Riley, R-I-L-E-Y. I'm on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. So, yeah, I'm pretty easy to find. And, yeah, I'd love to send more stuff to Aussie because I know especially there's a big civic population growing. You Absolutely. Know, a lot of teacher friends are, are telling me they're really starving for resources, you know, for civic kids in, in Aussie and, you know, struggling to try and find a way to connect with them sometimes. Mm. Yeah, well, yeah. I, I think I think your latest book, well, the, the book on MMT, I think that could be the breakthrough book because, yeah, when Tonga play yeah. in the in the suburbs of Sydney, they have a, an enormous following here too, not just uh, when they play in Auckland. Yeah. So, yeah, that could yeah. be one for you. Okay, David, like I said, great work on the books and kudos for the difference you're making. David Riley, Reading Warrior, thank you for joining the Progressive Rugby League podcast. Thanks a lot, Johnny. Appreciate it. Progressive Rugby League. Well, there you have it. Books and Rugby League and books on Rugby League making a difference with the next generation. Heartwarming stuff. Okay, that's it for today. Thanks for coming along for the ride. Don't forget, there's a big back catalogue now of interviews from this enforced break from weekly Rugby League action. So feel free to catch up on those apps if you're looking for something to listen to. Cool. Well, keep well, keep in touch. Rugby League. Call me. And see ya.